This podcast discusses adult themes and violent crime. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 1. Something is wrong. Chapter 1. The Boys at the Bus Stop. It's a Wednesday afternoon in October. It's been a typical autumn day for Southern California. Sunny, but cool, with a high around 70 degrees near the coast. In the middle of a residential neighborhood, surrounded by large two-story 1960s tract homes and spacious yards, there's a small private school. Pre-kindergarten through 8th grade, about 560 students. It's the kind of school that many parents dream of. For those who can afford it, this school is worth every penny. Great teachers, small class sizes, a focus on developing the character of their well-rounded students. The internet is full of five-star reviews, praising everything from the academics to the arts programs to the way the school handles bullying. When class gets out for the day at 3.15, the quiet neighborhood sees an influx of cars as parents shuttle their children home or to sports practice or to music lessons. The school also offers a private bus service, providing transportation to a handful of nearby cities and allowing parents to retrieve their children a little closer to home. Today, just like every other day, two brothers board the bus bound for Newport Beach. They are nine and twelve, lanky and slender, with mops of shiny dark hair. And, just like every day, they get off the bus at the stop near San Joaquin Hills Road and Newport Coast Drive to wait for their ride home. But today won't be like every other day. They wait and watch as their classmates jump into the back seats of minivans and SUVs and sedans. By ones and twos, the small group at the bus stop dwindles until they are alone. And still, they wait. A woman named Gwen picks up her own children from a similar bus stop on Bonita Canyon Drive. As they make their way home, Gwen chats with her kids about their day. Suddenly, something else draws her attention. The two boys, still waiting at the bus stop. She recognizes them. She must feel that it's strange, that the Chadwick brothers are never here this late. And she's right. Their dad always picks them up promptly. Or, he always has before. Welcome to Countdown to Capture. I'm Jennifer Manzella, your host for this podcast and the spokesperson for the Newport Beach Police Department. This is the story of murderer and fugitive Peter Chadwick, the man who left those two boys all alone and waiting at the bus stop on Wednesday, October 10th, 2012. I'm going to tell you what I can about his crimes and the police department's investigation into his wife's death and I'm going to explain how Peter Chadwick has escaped justice so far. In this episode, you'll also hear from another person, Lieutenant Brian Moore, who, back in 2012, was a detective assigned to this case. Chapter 2. No Answer 
knows the Chadwick family well. They're her neighbors, after all, and their kids go to the same school. They're the two younger boys, the ones who are waiting for a ride home, and an older brother, who's 15 and away at prep school in Ojai, California. Their mom, Kui Chu, who is known as QC, is not the kind of mom who would let her boys wait at the bus stop. She's a devoted and engaged parent, a stay-at-home mom with a definite preference for structure and schedules. Her boys are all polite and well-behaved, and she runs an ordered and peaceful home. No small feat with three sons. Her command center includes a whiteboard with a weekly family schedule, motivational messages to her children, and reminders to focus on their health and their homework. She is a meticulous, active, and doting parent. This past weekend, for example, was spent researching supplemental math programs for her younger children, taking her older son, who was home for a weekend visit, out for his favorite Asian foods, foods that he doesn't get enough of while he's away at boarding school, and emailing family to begin planning the Thanksgiving festivities six weeks early. Motherhood is the center of QC's life, her greatest pride and joy. This is not the kind of woman who forgets to pick her boys up after school, and Gwen knows it. Without hesitation, she pulls over. The boys have already been waiting for over an hour. The older brother has a cell phone, but he hasn't been able to reach his parents. Surely, there must be some explanation. But Gwen won't leave them there any longer. She loads the boys into her car for the short drive to their house. They drive past the card check and enter the gated community that these families call home. When they arrive, Gwen walks the boys up to the front door of the Mediterranean two-story house. They knock and ring the doorbell, but there is no answer. There are a few packages piled up on the porch, deliveries that would normally be taken in right away. The door is locked and the boys do not have a key. They've never needed one before. The brothers have no idea where their parents are. QC is a stay-at-home mom, and her husband Peter works from home, and there's nowhere else they should be at this time on a weeknight. Gwen takes everyone back to her house and feeds the boys dinner while she tries to track down the Chadwicks. No luck. She decides to pick up the phone one more time and call for help. A few minutes later, a dispatcher at the Newport Beach Police Department is entering notes from her call into the computer-aided dispatch system, or CAD, as we like to say. Law enforcement loves a good acronym. It's the type of call she sees often enough, a welfare check. Basically, it's a request to go knock on a door and see if someone is okay. Sometimes the caller is out of town and worried about a friend or loved one who hasn't returned their call. Sometimes the concern is for a person who has threatened suicide or who has an illness. Other times it's an employee who hasn't showed up for work, or a parent who hasn't picked their children up after school. It's hard not to imagine the worst, because only the worst makes any sense. Has there been a car crash, a fall down the stairs, a gas leak, a medical emergency? Something so dire that neither Peter or QC could make other arrangements for their boys or answer when they called from the bus stop. It's now after 7 o'clock, and there's still no sign of anyone at the Chadwick home. While an officer knocks on the door, dispatchers continue to call QC's cell phone, 
no answer. Calls to Peter's cell go straight to voicemail. There's no answer on the home phone either. The next round of calls is to local hospitals and trauma centers. No, they're told. There's no one at Hogue Hospital or Western Medical Center under those names or matching those descriptions. Chapter 3. Something is wrong. By 7.45, with no success in locating the Chadwicks, NVPD officers prepare to enter their home. Most of the lights are off. As they go room to room, they find no sign of QC or Peter. Almost everywhere, they see evidence of the order and structure that QC prides herself on, with a few notable exceptions. The officers take note. In the kitchen, there are two plates on the counter and all the makings of a light lunch being prepared and then abandoned. The door that joins the home to the garage has been left ajar. The family safe is open and empty. And upstairs in the master bathroom, there are a few details that could almost go unnoticed. Things that perhaps could easily be explained if QC or Peter happened to walk through the door, shocked at the unexpected police activity in their orderly home and with an understandable excuse for their absence. But with two people missing, these small details have only one meaning. Something's wrong. The bath mat is rumpled and slightly out of place. There's a towel on the floor. On the side of the jacuzzi tub, there's shards of broken glass. It looks like one of the decorative vases on the deck of the tub has been broken. Inside the tub, there's a faded reddish smudge, and on the wall, There's a few faint drip marks, tinged with a ruddy brown color. Blood. They look like tiny droplets of blood. And suddenly, the otherwise pristine master bathroom looks like a crime scene. Activity increases. Search warrants are requested and granted. CSI responds and starts photographing everything. Officers start taking notes, talking to neighbors, looking for more evidence, clues, anything. There are calls to the hospitals and calls to friends and family. The NBPD enters both Peter and QC into the missing person system. And, all the while, there are questions swirling, spoken and unspoken. Where are the Chadwicks, and are they okay? As the three Chadwick brothers go to sleep that night, their minds are spinning. Fear, confusion... Dread. So many big emotions for such small boys. These brothers, who are used to being surrounded by stability and comfort and love, must feel very helpless and very alone. Peter Chadwick is described as a white male, 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighing 160 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. He was born on February 18, 1964, and is 54 years old at the time that this podcast was recorded. If you have any information about Peter Chadwick or his whereabouts, please call 1-800-550-NBPD or email us at tips at nbpd.org. This has been a production of the Newport Beach Police Department. For show notes, including photos and additional content, 
please visit countdowntocapture.com. Follow the NBPD on social media. We're at Newport Beach Police on Facebook and at Newport Beach PD on Twitter and Instagram. Our department website is nbpd.org. This concludes Episode 1 of the Countdown to Capture podcast. We hope you'll join us for Episode 2, titled The Story. <laughs>